passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we are live. It is the Cafe Hangout live. I'm John Pollock alongside Wei Ting. Much less stressful this week in order to go from not live to live. I, you know, last week seems like it was like a decade ago, but I, I now I do remember how uh, all the all the technical issues that we had last week. So I'm glad uh, this week is perfectly fine. We're all good, and let's hope for uh, the best of, for the rest of the hour. Well, I want to start off the cafe hangout packed packed edition of the show. Yeah. But first and foremost, a loyal listener of this show, I want to send a happy birthday. To the one, definitely the only, Hanzi. Oh, it's Hanzi's birthday. How, it did is, you, how did you know that? It is Hanzi's birthday because I know these things, way because well, I do the digging and I find out the information that is relevant to the audience out there. Hanzi is actually in the chat room right now. Happy so birthday, Hanzi. Hope you call in a little bit later, Hanzi. Well, we are going to be joined by Mark Ramundi uh, in just a couple of minutes from ESPN. Lots to talk to Mark about. He is all over the wrestling world. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll be talking more wrestling than MMA with uh, Mark, although a very interesting uh, cross-section through Kane Velasquez, who Mark was following all week long, leading into Triple Mania last week. We'll talk to that about Mark, uh, with that about Mark, as well as the G1, recent interviews that he did with Roman Reigns and CM Punk. Lots to talk about involving Mark Ramondi. Mark is the stir, he is the, the straw that is stirring the drink of the professional wrestling landscape right now. Oh, yeah, okay. He is the mover and shaker. Yeah. Any other metaphors you got? That's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, but we're going to give this interview 110%. Uh, also on the show today, we will preview SummerSlam. We're going to go match by match. We'll also isolate some highlights of the next coming days, go through some of the cards. Wayne and I have already gone to some shows. On mm-hmm. Wednesday, Wayne and I went to OWE, and then I also stuck around for the Smash Wrestling versus Progress Wrestling show. So we will go through those shows. Also, opening up the phone lines to... All of you fine folks, if you want to chat about anything SummerSlam related, G1 related, anything you would like to discuss, we'll be going to the phones later on. 732-800-4423 is where you can call in or Skype in to Post Wrestling. We will be taking all forms of communication later on in the show or communicate through the chat room. It is alive and kicking. Yeah, yeah. We'll even take some questions through the chat room a little bit later on. Yeah, we haven't really done that too much yet, but yeah. Perfect. Um, 
we can go over just a couple of news items, uh, what is most pressing uh, today. WWE announced that next year's SummerSlam weekend, we're already getting ahead of ourselves by a year. SummerSlam 2020 will take place from Boston. They're going to run four straight nights at the TD Garden with SmackDown the Friday night, which will be August 21st, followed by TakeOver, SummerSlam, and Raw. And the first thing I thought of is that providing the G1 is on schedule with the same schedule they have every year. Mm-hmm. We will avoid the SummerSlam G1 final weekend conflict that we are dealing with this year. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope. The Olympics are in Tokyo next year, so that could throw G1 for a loop. But G1 should be the weekend prior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, obviously, I think this year is a little bit special because SummerSlam being in Toronto uh, makes it that much more, I think, difficult for us to juggle. It's still crazy. It's still crazy. Absolutely. But there's going to be something else, John. If it's not a WWE event, something will will collide so that is uh that is next year so make your plans i guess for for SummerSlam. boston do you like it sticking in, in the northeast yeah i think they'll do really well in boston and i think you will get like we have by my count there were a total of 19 wrestling shows that's including wwe so we're talking uh 15 non-wwe shows wow i think you're gonna see an enormous a number of independent shows running in the New England area on SummerSlam weekend next year. Mm-hmm. Way easier. Uh, you can draw from so many different cities for Boston. So don't have to deal with uh, visas for, for local, exactly. local exactly. performers. So I, I think that if you want to make a comparison to WrestleMania weekend, I think that's going to be it next year as well. So I, th- I think that it's going to be an enormous week for independence in the U.S. to go there. Also, we have the announcement that AEW is bringing back the Casino Battle Royale on August 31st at All Out. It's going to be a women's match to determine contenders for their women's title tournament and announcing three interesting names. Teal Piper, the daughter of Roddy Piper, who I have interviewed before. Uh, She is going to be she uh, and her brother, uh, Colton, were Mm -hmm. putting out Roddy's book after he had passed away. And I remember interviewing her around that time. How much wrestling experience has she had? To my knowledge, I don't think she's done a match. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's been doing training, but I don't think she's actually done a match. At least, I'm not aware of one. Right. So, very limited would be the answer. Uh, Eva Lise, who uh, very experienced yep. and most prominently seen, uh, well, on Tough Enough in 2011, but more more recently, Lucha Underground. And then Jazz. Yeah. Sporting a new bald look. I like it. Yeah, Jazz, I, I, great pickup for I, them. I love that. <clears throat> excuse me. I love that addition. I think Jazz has been a name that's sort of been lost, like, I feel, to history. You've been hear, doing stuff with the NWA. You hear, like, names like, you know, Lita and Trish Stratus brought up all the time, but I think I put Jazz right up there amongst that crop of, like, you know, first, like, She's been really noticeably absent workers. for all these uh, returns, mm-hmm. like the Royal Rumble, Evolution last year. Like, yeah. she was a very important piece of that 2003 women's division. Yeah, now they were careful to mention that these people aren't necessarily signed to the AEW no. yet, um, but I would love to see a name like Jazz get picked up. What do you think about the return of the Casino Battle Royale? I thought it was a pretty poor execution the first yeah. time around. I am, I'm not a big fan of this concept, so they're really going to have to impress me this time around because I, I did not like it the last. <laughs> I'm sure they're not. Um, they're not. You know, um, deaf to to the criticism and the fact that they decided to do it again suggests that they believe in the concept. And I think the concept does have potential. I had more issue with the presentation of it. You know, all the people, the people coming out without music. Yeah. Like um, everybody needs to feel special and therefore everybody needs their own entrance. Uh, some of those things and even the layout of, of, of the match the, itself. I hope that they're able to fix this time around. It's, 
you know, so many companies piggyback off the Royal Rumble with the entrances. I mean, we saw the Copa Triple Mania match over the weekend. But people get into, like, countdown clock, music hits, someone comes out, pop. Yep. Like, it's Absolutely. it's overdone because it's an easy match that people understand. And it's an easy, you know, mm-hmm. short attention span. It was 60 seconds for the Copa Triple Mania show. Um, now, and coming out as a group, it's like you kind of mitigate the pop because you're just looking at four different people. It's obviously due to time restrictions. So, you know, it remains to be seen. What else are they going to fit on this buy-in uh, with 21? Hopefully they do entrances for everybody. And if you're talking about 21 entrances. Do we get a 22, John? That's the big question. Thumbs up or thumbs down on Jake Roberts, thumbs the dealer. all the way up. I uh, enjoy him in these that videos That was amazing. Smoking the cigarette and even does the line. You know what? To me, it was like Jake reclaiming that moment you know like the, yes. like the, honestly like one of the more embarrassing moments of his career maybe the most embarrassing moment of his, of his career going taking back to the the heroes of wrestling show and to me this was jake taking it back i love it it was great literally has taken him almost 20 years to reclaim that moment we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of heroes of wrestling wow. this october incredible uh the nwa is going to be running their first set of television taping september 30th and october 1st in atlanta no announcement of where they're going to be running or where this will air but yeah. More television, more television. But I think um, it's it's time for NWA to like you know I think they've been building some decent steam, uh, being a, a part of Ring of Honor. But more more to me, somebody not watching Ring of Honor regularly, they've I think made a, a bit of an impression for their their pay per view events that they've done. Yes, obviously I, on YouTube as well. Seventieth anniversary show and and the Crockett Cup. I think they were two pay per views that were well well received yeah. and by the standards of what you would expect an NWA to do on pay per view, they did fine. What it feels like everybody is trying to advance television production to like you know new levels. I I, I really do like the fact that w- one company is is choosing to go backwards, uh, choosing to you know not travel and do everything in, in a studio environment. And I think through Lightning One, you'll hopefully get a lot of newer ideas. Like they they to me were one of the big stories of All In and sure. the, the build up. And there's no way you can convince me that. Cody didn't leave with a bit of an influence of that because you see those fingerprints on the Road 2 series. They're very similar to how the Cody-Nick Aldis match was built up. Serious storytelling, mm-hmm. and I, I certainly see you know crossover there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where do you kind of see them fitting in as far as like the current landscape goes? Who do you see them their main competitors being? What level? I, I think we're going to see them on the level of like an Impact and MLW that it's going to be – the biggest struggle is going to be people – coming to check them out and see something different. So I think that's going to be all these companies vying for people's time, which is, as we say every week, very, very limited. Joining us shortly, uh, any second now, is our good friend Mark Ramondi. Yes, yes. Mark Ramondi joining us from ESPN. He was all over the place over the past week. He's been all over the place in the wrestling world of late. Uh, But last week, he got down to Mexico City Arena Ciudad with Triple Mania going down. Mark, I understand you you came back with a, a, a bit under the weather from Mexico City, but thank you so much for joining us here on the Cafe Hangout. Hi. How are you? We heard maybe about 10% of that. I think I think we, we, we had a bit of a Skype uh, issue, but uh, care to respond? Uh, repeat just uh, what you just said, Mark. Can you guys hear me okay now? Now, now, now we're okay. clear. We're all clear. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. How are you, Mark? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, like of uh, Montezuma's revenge when I returned from Mexico City, but 
whatnot and raring to go. So uh, take us back to kind of how this this uh, idea was first hatched when it was announced that Cain Velasquez would be doing Triple Mania and the process of uh, whether it was you pitching this to ESPN or how the story came up of the idea of going down to Mexico City and and really following Cain Velasquez around, which ended up being an enormous story down in Mexico City and certainly translated to U.S. pro wrestling fans as well. Yes, that's a good question. So, so when when it was first announced that Kane would be doing signing with AAA, I was actually still with MMAfighting.com. It was it was back in March of this right. year. So I, I wrote about it at the time for MMA Fighting, and I, I remember uh, thinking that it was uh, cool and unexpected. Um, but uh, other than that, you know, at that at that time, I didn't really have any kind of thoughts about. Uh, going down there or covering it any more than uh, you know than, than the peripheral uh, article here or there because it was an MMA website and then we uh, at MMAfighting.com mostly focused on MMA. Uh, then when I got the job at, at ESPN, I was talking to some of the editors there, and uh, there are a lot of editors at ESPN who are who are big pro wrestling fans, and one of uh, one of them is uh, one of my main editors, Andrew Feldman, and I think I remember talking to him about. Uh, on one of my first days, I was in Bristol for ESPN's rookie camp, and uh, we went out to dinner uh, with a bunch of editors. and uh, And I remember talking to him about about Kane doing lucha then. And I, I think I think it may have even been him who said, "Like, I wonder if we could go down there and do something." And I'm like, and I'm like, "Well, I would I would definitely be interested in doing that." And then it all kind of snowballed from there. Uh, it, it turned from that, you know, very very informal conversation into you know me having to get on calls. Uh, with executive producers and, uh, and, and and other people at, at ESPN to, to you know get clearance, send people down there. I had multiple calls with uh, with with Kane's agent, Mike Fonseca from from Excel mm-hmm. uh, Sports Management, um, sport, uh, sports uh, you know agency firm, and uh, it, it was it all just kind of uh, grew from there. And uh, and you know up until I, I got there, guys, honestly, last week, like I didn't know how well it would all come together. Uh, AAA was was uh, at some point difficult to deal with, um, and uh, part of that, I guess, is their their broadcast partners down in Mexico with uh, TV Azteca, which is a competitor to ESPN in Mexico. So there's a little bit of a clash there, but uh, all in all, uh, I think it, I think it worked out. Seeing Kane, I guess, train in a wrestling environment versus an MMA environment, do you notice much difference in his personality? Kane, Kane is Kane is Kane. You know, it, Kane is kind of the guy that that we all we all know. He's uh, he. It takes a little bit for him to, to open up. You know, he's he's a guy that doesn't show. Uh, he keeps his cards closed. He's uh, doesn't show his full personality right away. It takes a little bit to, to kind of get into that. I feel like I kind of was able to in my interviews. Uh, you know, bring some of that out in him and. And uh, hopefully that will will manifest itself when the when the video coverage comes out uh, in a few weeks on on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean the the one the one thing that I that I really noticed is that he's really he was really having a good time. You know, he was really uh, you know watching him train and wrestling and watching him go over the match and, and go over some some spots and sequences. You could tell he was enjoying himself. Uh, when he got the mask, it was it was Friday night. He got the mask for the first time. Uh, and uh, that was at the arena when they were when they were kind of going over the match. The, uh, the mask designer Oscar Garcia came in and gave him the mask, and uh, you could just tell there was like a connection r- uh, right away. 
between him and the mask. It was really uh, actually very special. Like he put it on, and uh, you could see him almost transform into into uh, a new a new a new person, a new character. And then on the ride home, on the ride back to his hotel, um, I was in the uh, SUV with uh, with them and uh, and uh, our photographer Alejandro Segarra, and he actually had the mask on the entire way back from the <laughs> from the arena. Um, which was like a 35 minute, 40 minute ride from the arena back to, uh, I guess Mexico city proper, um, in, uh, the La Condesa area. And yeah, he, he had it on and, you know, he said he had it on because he wanted to kind of get comfortable with it, but I think there was more to it. I think there was more to it than that. I think that he, uh, I think that he was really, really, uh, enjoying it, really embracing it. For yourself, Mark, someone that's been to so, so much variety of professional wrestling, uh, how did AAA compare uh, with Triple Mania in terms of a live setting, and where were you set up during the show? I was kind of all over the place. Uh, initially, before the event, we were we were all kind of uh, stationed in in Kane's locker room because we were we were there to see him, uh, you know, arrive with his family, and and that was kind of uh, the footage that they wanted to get. Of course, you know, the personal stuff with Kane getting there, and then uh, once the show started. Uh, I was able to uh, go out into the stands for at least a little bit and watch the first uh, couple matches, but then uh, I had to I had to run back backstage and and, and kind of uh, be there when he was actually preparing to uh, go out and uh, he when he when he put on his gear, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were there backstage with him when he was doing all that stuff and and uh, the uh, the UFC um had Ayer Rodriguez and uh, Alexa Grasso, um, UFC fighters who are who are, uh, obviously uh, stars in Mexico as well. They brought uh, they brought them backstage to see Kane, so I was there. That that was fun. Um, uh, Kane and Ayer are, are pretty good friends, so they were they were having a good time uh, uh, hanging out together. Uh, and then honestly, uh, from there, I, I was just kind of watching on a screen backstage. Um, so it wasn't the uh, it wasn't the, the best environment to take in the entire show. But when you're when you're kind of there focusing on the one person, it's you know uh, it was it was the best uh, that, that we could do as far as, you know, covering Kane goes. Obviously, you know, having seen him uh, train uh, in the style, I think you, you might have gone into the match with uh, a, a bit higher, uh, or certainly knowing a bit more uh, of what to expect. But I would say for for the world at large, you know, including people who only know him from MMA, to see him pull off some of the things he actually pulled off, I think was a surprise to everybody. How do you feel like he did in the match? It was, it was, it was definitely a surprise, and... What's what's really funny, and uh, and I tweeted this. Uh, well, actually, uh, John, you tweeted tweeted this to me, and I replied, uh, "The hurricane, the hurricane Rana." Now, I, I, I inadvertently I, stole this. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, uh, so basically, when I when I went to go visit when I went to go visit Kane uh, at his uh, Lucha Gym Pro Wrestling uh, uh, Revolution Training Academy in San Jose, where he was training with Vinny Massaro. Uh, he, he he did he did a lot of really really athletic and really impressive things that I was I was pretty I was really uh, blown away when I saw what he was able to do in in practice and to be honest with you he didn't do a whole lot of those things in the match there's a lot of actually there's actually a lot of things that they were working on that he did not do that that he will probably be able to do in the future that people impress people even further um, and I was that's not to say what some of those things were but. Uh, I'll say this: He's a really athletic guy for his size. Uh, it's, it's impressive what he's able to do. I'm picturing um, a six thirty from Kane Velasquez. What's that? <laughs> I'm picturing a six thirty right now from Kane. 
<laughs> well, okay, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, but, but yeah, but um, it was, it was great, and then, and then we, we, when we were there, uh, you know, when we were watching, when we were watching him train the night before at the arena with some of the guys who were in the match, uh, he was, he was literally learning some of the things in real time that they were going to do, that they wanted him to do. And then uh, they didn't do anything that he wasn't comfortable with, but he's a competitor and he wanted to try new things. And literally, literally, guys, I, I witnessed him learn the Hurricane Rana right before my eyes one day before the match, the day before the match. Wow. Uh, as, well, as, well as, as well as that, that spot where he, he goes over uh, Black Taurus's back and he lands on his feet when, when he flips over. He learned that really just a, a day before. Um, and he was doing that, and I'm like, I'm not sure if they're going to really use that. I mean, he just learned it. Can he do it in the match? And and sure enough, he did it in the match. And and the Hurricane Rana that he hit in the match is actually better than the ones he was doing in training. Uh, he actually rose to the occasion in front of the crowd, and it was actually uh, it was actually perfect what he what he was able to pull off. So, Mark, you know, we we look ahead. Obviously, AAA has the big two shows coming up in New York and Los Angeles. It seems like a pretty good possibility Kane could be involved in those, but. Short term and long term, I mean, what what do you kind of get the sense is Cain Velasquez's interest in professional wrestling after you know a pretty successful debut? What is the long term here for Cain in professional wrestling, or do you see this as something of a of a bucket list item that he checks off and then it's back to mixed martial arts? I think I, I talking to him before we before we got to Mexico City uh, with with Velasquez and his team, he was. But it was still very much. Mm. Let's see how the first one goes. Uh, they 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 were pretty careful not to to make any kind of commitment to AAA or to anyone else until seeing how the agreement right away because you just don't know. I have no idea how it's going to go. Maybe he gets there and you know it wasn't what he expected. This is this is literally a brand new thing, a brand new venture for him. So he while, while he did plan on doing. New York show and the LA show is coming up coming up in the fall. He may he he didn't sign anything because right. he was waiting. Hey, I would go. Hey Mark, and, uh, you're breaking up a little. Yeah. I, I'm going to call you back on a different line, and uh, we'll just be, okay, be sure. super quick. All right, we'll uh, reconnect here with uh, with Mark Ramondi. Uh, great stuff. If you want to go over and check out any of uh, ESPN's coverage of Triple Mania, and as Mark mentioned, uh, they di- they did. Uh, a video kind of documentary on Cain Velasquez going down there. And it's going to be, we'll get the uh, exact information from Mark, but it should be airing in September. And I think just seeing all of the footage that they got of seeing, you know, the footage of Cain Velasquez at the parade and all around Mexico city, where he certainly felt like the biggest star at triple mania. And we'll kind of get into uh, with Mark as well, kind of the, the impact he had on the show. But uh, Mark, uh, we have reconnected with you. Are you there? I hope so. Perfect. All right. We are wonderful. We are right. we are back here. But uh, we finished off right. there. Let's let's just uh, revisit the the question about kind of his his short term future. You were saying that he has not signed yeah. anything, so there's no commitments as of now between Cain Velasquez with AAA. Correct. Uh, and and I and I still think that he plans on doing the New York and LA shows. I'm not I'm not privy to any kind of negotiations that that are going on, but. Uh, he expected he expected to do them last week, and I don't think anything has changed. So I I would imagine that he would be at those shows, but nothing is official. As far as anything after that goes, I, I uh, from talking to him and his team, I think uh, it, it everything's up in the air. But I know that he wants to go back and fight. He does have a knee injury. He has 
two torn ligaments in his left knee. Uh, but he feels good. And, and I was even told by, by his agent, Mike Monseca, that uh, if, if his knee feels good, they may even talk to the UFC about fighting in December. Wow. So uh, it's, uh, it's all very much up in the air for him right now. Very fascinating stuff. Yeah. Um, just before we, uh, we move on from Triple Mania, I mean, just speaking for ourselves at our site, I mean, I found it really interesting the amount of traffic we got for Triple Mania coverage. Uh, what was your feedback like, uh, Mark, as well, excluding uh, the MMA fans that I'm sure you just made Saturday night uh, a horrible night for them? But for in terms of the coverage you guys put out and wrestling fans, uh, it just seemed like there was a big spotlight on Triple A on Saturday night, which pretty much had the night to themselves. I completely agree. I did feel like there was a lot of interest. Uh, certainly, I've watched Triple Mania the last the last uh, couple of years, and I certainly felt like this one was uh, had just had a lot more buzz in general. And I think I think a lot of that is owed to Velasquez, uh, if I'm being honest, that uh, because it, it was it was one of those it was a novelty thing. It was it was how how is how is this guy going to do? You know, we know him as the UFC, uh, you know, one of the all time great UFC heavyweights, and, and he's going to Lucha Libre. It's uh, it's kind of a crazy thing when you when you think about it. And uh, and I really think that that played a part. Of course, I mean you, you can't you can't uh, uh, you can't go without mentioning the fact that Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Cody were also on that card. I'm sure that also helps as far as the, the uh, North American audience goes. But yeah, I thought I thought it did. Uh, I thought it had a lot of buzz, and I, my social media was uh, was was pretty uh, was pretty lit, as the kids say, uh, all night. Do you feel that Kane Velasquez being added to the New York show? I mean, do you think that it's going to have not the same impact of Mexico City, but having somebody that can go out and do media that for people that may have no clue what Lucha Libre or AAA is? Do you feel that he can uh, be a bit of a difference maker in a market like New York that you've lived in? I do, I do, and I don't know. I don't know how many. I don't know how many tickets that equals exactly. I, I don't think um, from what I've seen and what I've read that tickets are moving that quickly right no. now without the, the card announced. So I, I think that it would help. I think that, I think that what it is, is I think if, uh, if, if they were coming in cold with, with Cain Velasquez in his debut at MSG, I'm not sure how well it would do, but I think that as you, as you said, John, uh, triple mania had a lot of buzz and, and it got a lot, a lot of attention. It kind of, it kind of let a lot of people know uh, that, that triple a was, was here. It was, was, was around and, and doing a thing that maybe they weren't aware of before. And I think um, Velasquez's performance and the buzz that it got, uh, I think that'll help. I think I think that will definitely uh, raise some curiosity and, and raise some ticket sales when they when they if and when they they do announce Velasquez for that card. So coming up this weekend, Mark, we've got the final weekend of the G1. Are you up to date on G1, or are you just completely behind at this point in the tournament? Oh man, I am so disappointed in myself. I'm not. I've just been. I, the, my schedule has been insane uh, with traveling, and uh, I'm I'm pretty close up to date, but I but I'm further behind than I than I usually am at this at this point in time uh, in G1 season. But I I, I watched uh, I watched Okada versus Sonata from last weekend this morning, and I watched Tanahashi versus Ibushi from uh, last weekend this morning. I did watch Naito versus Shingo Takagi, um, and right now in my in my living room on pause is Tomohiro Ishii versus Shingo Takagi from uh, from last night's G1. Uh, so I'm, I'm as soon as I get off the phone, I will be uh, queuing that one up and uh, hitting play. Well, you're in, you're in for a treat, but yeah. we won't we won't uh, ruin anything for Mark. What's uh, what has been your match of the tournament thus far? I guess excluding uh, the potential of, of the match uh, you're about to watch. 
Um, I, I would say I would say probably Okada versus Osprey. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, but there there have been there have been so many good matches. I, I really really thought that uh, Naito versus uh, Takagi from the other night from over the weekend. I was in Mexico when I watched that. Uh, that was really really great. I liked that one probably. For me, that one was right up there with the others. Uh, John Moxley versus some hero Ishii as well was really, really good. Uh, I mean, I would say Okada and Sonata. I, I would put. I really, really enjoyed that match. I, I felt like the 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 final. Uh, I mean, the final five minutes was as good as any part of the tournament so far. There have just been so many good matches. I mean, I I came in. I came into the the tournament before they announced. Uh, the, the the participants and I was unsure how it would be, you know, in, in a post Kenny Omega world, uh, but it exceeded my expectations. The additions of Shingo Takagi and John Moxley and and Kenta and how about how about freaking Lance Archer? I what mean, a tournament uh, he's had! Been been, it's been a tremendous tournament. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anyone that has increased their stock more from day one to now. I mean, you've had guys that have been have had gr- had better tournaments than Lance Archer, but in terms of a guy from where he was. July the 6th to now, I mean, it's just been uh, a hell of a tournament uh, for Lance Archer. It's, it's wild. It's wild. Uh, and I, and I, hope, I hope he gets a little bit of a single push. I, I would not have said that before, before July 6th or July 7th, uh, but uh, I hope he gets a single push now the rest of the year. I want to talk a bit about uh, uh, perhaps uh, you know your your role at, at ESPN and how that's kind of turned into a, a wrestling uh, a coverage type of role. Now you've had some really notable interviews as of late with the likes of CM Punk and Roman Reigns. Uh, so you know what's it been like for you to kind of step into more of a wrestler's uh, journalism role as a part of ESPN? Well, first of all, you guys know that I that I enjoyed very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, the la- the last week in Mexico City covering Cain Velasquez and uh, AAA was uh, was a super special week, uh, you know, for 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 him and and his team and his family, but also for me. I mean, because it incorporated two of the things that I love the most: MMA and pro wrestling. So if I could continue to do stuff like that, um, I would be very very happy. And it really it really just uh, I mean it really speaks to to ESPN and and when you when you bring to them an idea and it's a good idea like. Like this, this uh, Cain Velasquez in Mexico City doing lucha libre, uh, and they buy in. I mean, they do not, they do not mess around, guys. I mean, they, they, they mobilize, uh, you know, a hell of a, a team. I think we had nine or ten people in Mexico City between video producers and photographers and reporters. It was really impressive, and I, and I can't wait. Some of the coverage has already come out. Uh, you know, the photos and and some of the reporting has come out already, but. Uh, the video stuff is still to come, and uh, I can't wait to see how that finished product come uh, uh, comes out. I mean, uh, I, I can't say enough about what what ESPN was able to do and uh, the quality of, of of professionals they sent out to Mexico City for that coverage last week. When you made the decision to go to ESPN, Mark was was professional wrestling coverage something that was discussed, or has this been something that's just sort of fallen into your lap, and you've been somebody that can can really do the coverage? Uh, justice that it was um, an MMA role you've come into, but it was the wrestling that has presented itself as as an add on to your your coverage already of MMA. It was it was not discussed. Uh, it was not directly discussed at all. Anything about pro wrestling? It, it does it does help that the team that I, that I work with, the MMA team, is uh, is the same as boxing and 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 pro wrestling coverage at, at ESPN. So it's a it's mostly the same editors, the same editing team. So that has helped me a lot 
Whereas, you know, the editors that I, that I work with on a daily basis in MMA coverage are also the ones who assign and, and edit the, the WWE and pro wrestling coverage. So that's been, that's been helpful. But one, one of the things that, that when I was, when I was kind of uh, in, in the, in the process with ESPN that, that our friend Ariel Hawani told me, and uh, he's, he's as integral as anyone that, you know, in, in getting me to ESPN uh, was that. ESPN can be very much make your own adventure, and and as you as you guys have seen, he's been, he's done a lot of NBA stuff, and he's he's, he's had his hands in, in many different places at ESPN, and and he kind of imparted that on me too. That you know, once you get in the door, they're very open about about uh, letting you expand your horizons, and so I, I took that to heart, and and that was one of the that was one of the uh, reasons why I made the decision uh, as well. It would just seem like th- this fall, like it- it's such an enormous time for the industry that, I mean, it seems like you're in a great position to to cover this very interesting battle with WWE and all elite wrestling that, I mean, come October, I mean, this is a real war between these two promotions. 100%. Uh, I'm looking forward to it very much. It's uh, it's one of the most fascinating times uh, in wrestling, I mean, in our lifetimes in wrestling and, and maybe the most fascinating time in about 20 years or so and and what'll be really interesting to me is to see if uh, you know where where king alaska fits into that if at all if if he does decide to continue with with pro wrestling uh, i mean from from what i've heard and, and from what are some of the reports i've seen online he's already getting interest from from other places so uh it, it could be very interesting to see how how that all fits in and and there are so many different uh moving parts with uh with the awww situation um uh i can't wait to uh to cover it and to see how it plays out and before we wrap up, when is the Cain Velasquez piece going to be uh, running that you've talked about? I believe uh, September it's going to be airing? It's going to be airing in September. There's no, there's no exact date set yet, but it, it'll, it'll be running in accordance with Hispanic Heritage Month in September. So I think it'll be probably be closer to the middle of the month, maybe, maybe closer to when AAA goes to MSG for that show. Um, I think that's what, September 15th, something like that. Yes. Yeah. September fifteenth. I don't know the exact. I don't know. I forget the exact date, but I think it'll be it'll be running in in and around uh, that time period on ESPN Deportes um, in Spanish and in in some form or another in English um, on ESPN and, and ESPN. You know, multitude of social media and uh, YouTube channels. Well, continued success, Mark. Uh, fantastic coverage uh, down in Mexico City and uh, throughout all of your great work. Uh, enjoy. Tomohiro Ishii and Shingo Takagi, and uh, we'll be seeing you in Tokyo, correct? In January? That is the plan. I have uh, my tickets are in hand for the Tokyo Dome, both shows. So I don't have my plane ticket or my hotel yet. I'm still I'm still waiting to figure out if I'm going to be covering uh, Bellator and Ryzen uh, at the end of uh, December. We'll see. And uh, But I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you guys know. Awesome stuff. Well, thank you so much for making some time, Mark, and uh, look forward to chatting with you uh, soon. Enjoy the rest of the G1. Thank you, guys. Crazy weekend coming up. And keep up the good work yourselves. You guys are doing great. Thanks so much, Mark. Mark. Really appreciate it. That was Mark Ramundi, everyone. Uh, One of the best out there. You can follow him at Mark underscore Ramundi on Twitter and all of his coverage up at ESPN.com. Making some time for us here in the post office, which, I mean, ESPN Eight or nine deep down in Mexico City. What's our production staff? We we have, are we up to ten or is it eleven now that we have working? Uh, 
maybe subtract a, a few from that but <laughs> i i'm so happy to hear it and i'm so, so happy to hear that like espn has somebody like like mark Ramondi fighting for professional wrestling more professional wrestling who knows coverage, his stuff like inside out and outside of just wwe coverage absolutely you know, i at, think at that that, that was one thing that two years ago two three years ago when espn was starting to do the coverage with like the the segments on tv I don't think they really understood what their pro wrestling coverage was going to be and how we cover WWE. That what you're seeing now with someone like Mark, like this is legitimate coverage yeah. and it's it's very thorough and it takes somebody like a Mark Ramundi that you want to have who is uh, I hold him at the very highest of MMA reporters. Likewise. Uh phone lines are open right now. Uh, apologies everybody for the Skype issues uh, at the beginning of that interview but uh hopefully they are fixed by this point. Um John, do you have the phone number? Yes. If you want to give us a call, we'll be taking calls throughout the rest of the show 732-800-4423 or you can Skype in. Uh just search us uh Post Wrestling as we uh we're going to go through the shows that we went to on Wednesday and then get into our SummerSlam preview. Uh but we will interrupt if we get any phone calls coming in, but we're going to keep uh we're going to keep them quick today because we want to Get to as much as we can. This is a very loaded show. But 24 hours ago, Way and I met up with WH Park and we took in the OWE show in Toronto, which was the first show of SummerSlam week at the at the Met. So we will get to that, but I understand we do have a call. Yeah, let's go to Bruce Lord, who's on the line right now. Bruce, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. Um, I just firstly wanted to kind of underscore what you guys already discussed uh, with Mark, which is just what a breath of fresh air uh lance archer has been in this g1 um i think so much of you know, so much of what attracts me to njpw is you know the subtleties and the histories of all of these characters who are very much shades of gray and have complex feuds going back with each other it's it's a bit simple and reductive but just having a big american monster with a chip on his shoulder Gives creates such an interesting dynamic for a lot of the more you know subtle and well known uh, characters who are uh, working in the G1 this year. So it's just been a to see all of these uh, other wrestlers kind of figure out ways of working with or working off of uh, Archer over the past few weeks. I totally understand, uh, and I completely agree. And uh, I'm I'm curious to know, Bruce, do you feel that that same way about you know other perhaps? Uh, unique performers within the G1 like Toriano or Bad Luck Fale. I mean, I have I, the the thing with the Yano matches is that I, again, I think that they do offer some creativity, right? We got to see somebody like you know John Moxley who'd been treated in a very very serious you know and and cold and borderline psychopathic way uh, in the tournament up until that point, and then him being able to kind of flex his muscle a little bit uh, in in terms of comedy work with Yano, and I think that that's Seeing how first timers or n- newcomers react to the the Yano spot is always interesting, um, but you know, I mean, again, you guys have said, and I'm not saying anything new here. How, uh, and, and certainly in comparison with Yano as well, really kind of exposes Fale in this year's tournament. It's been, I mean, it's always a little grit our teeth and bear it here, but it's been it's been pretty painful to watch, in my opinion. And I, you know, hate to be so course about that but uh you know i just can't help but think that if you know you'd swap if you know archer is your monster and you swap out Fale for a minoru suzuki you know how the great tournament could just be pushed up a, a little bit further yeah i'm with you i there are times that i defer like last year as much as the complaints about tamatonga like i understood why he was there mm. uh even if i didn't enjoy it uh with Fale, like i don't see 
a grand reason for it that ultimately yeah. trumps uh, exactly what you outlined beyond the argument of, uh, you know, and you didn't even have to necessarily put Moxley and Suzuki together in the same blocks. You could have still kept them separate with with Fale's spot in the A block. So mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. I think Fale has been uh, certainly uh, has that lone spot at the bottom unto himself in this particular tournament. But what uh, do you see? What What is the final scenario you see, Bruce, for for Monday's final? And who is winning this whole thing? Is it is it Naito Ibushi or do you see some other pairing? I mean, I full disclosure, I haven't watched today's show yet. I oh, just okay. started getting into the uh, to the undercard uh, when when the when the hangout started. But I mean, like a lot, you know, Naito Abushi uh, final uh, flagged, and you know, I think that the having Naito finally, you know, beat Okada at the at the. Naito has been so hot for so long that I do think that if you don't pull the trigger with him this year at the Dome, then you know, maybe the crowd starts to question whether or not he is ever going to be given that kind of, you know, big run with the title uh, at the top there. So that, that that's what I had at the beginning. And that's still what I'm thinking. Awesome. Thanks for uh, your call, Bruce. We're, we're, we're still uh, maybe encountering some Skype issues. So apologies to everybody listening in. But uh, thanks for your call. Uh, we'll hopefully talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bruce. All right. Once again, if you want to uh, give us a call, which might be the easier way, 732-800-4423, and uh, we will be taking calls. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. Uh, the, uh, I guess, uh, connection issues uh, down here in the post office, maybe. I blame the mouse. The mouse. Who is still the at large. The mouse has been chewing your, your modem wires, uh, but please, please call in. Hopefully, on my, my cell phone and my, on my data plan, I will have slightly better uh, connection. And we go to... The birthday boy himself, Hansi. Happy birthday, Hansi. We can't sing it. We'd get sued. Uh, yeah. Actually, let me just... Uh, there we go. Oops. Okay. There we go. Hansi, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing well. We're doing well. Um, well, first of all, I want to say thank you for the birthday wishes. I, I, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I mean, it, uh, it means a lot to me. Um, second, uh... Um, uh, uh, b- before you get into the wrestling topic, Paul, like, I-, I know you're a fan of uh, this show, but have you checked out Beverly Hills 90210, the reboot? I have not watched it yet. I've heard I've heard many things about it so far. I'm going in with an open mind, but I have not seen the first episode yet. Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. I I, I-, I know you're a fan. Um, but the wrestling question, uh, I guess, uh, with the with with a AEW, with AEW, um, do, do, the the twenty the twenty the, 20, uh, the 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 woman battle royal thing, like they don't have twenty one women signed, right? No, so do no. You, do, so do you think that there's going to be like announcements that like these women, are, some of the women, will get deals, or do you think just it's just a one off with uh with what's going on? Because I I do think that you know there's uh you know with Eva Lee sign, I don't know if she's if she's signed or she's going to be in the battle royal, but I think that's like a really good get. Like I think she's like a really really. Uh, g- good performer, but um, I'm I'm just wondering, like, h- how many of these women, like, do you uh, anticipate are going to get signed, or do you think that th- these are just one-offs for the most part? I think it's going to be a combination of the the open slots are going to be a mixture of surprises of uh, people coming in that may not necessarily have deals, but if they stand out, they'll probably have first dibs to su- to sign them quickly. Uh, I don't expect all 21 women to be part of this division coming out of the show because I think you you may get, you know, some surprise entrant that it's just doing a one-off like a Royal Rumble appearance. 
Okay, that's cool. And, and listen, uh, congratulations on the sellout. I'm sorry I, I couldn't, um, I, I didn't know what my plans were going to be finalized for SummerSlam and all that. I just got them finalized now, so I apologize I won't be able to make it to your live show. But I definitely will try to come to uh, O'Grady's on Monday uh, to hang out with you guys. Well, if, if you can make cool. it, we'd love to see you on Monday. All right, uh, th- thanks a lot. And again, thanks for the birthday wishes, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks. Take Have it a easy. great day, Hansi. Happy birthday. See you, Hansi. Loyal listener. Ooh. Hanzi joining us. So we are going to move on over to Wednesday way, which feels like a long time ago. Can we hold off on the Wednesday a little bit? Let's just keep going. Let's keep going. This person has been trying to call in for quite a while and I apologize, but we can finally get to you. You are on the line. What is up? Hey guys, it's uh, Des in California. Hey, Hey, it's Des. What's up? Good. Uh, Not too much. Uh, I just, so um, have you guys basically decided to like, uh, do non-stop wrestling like what what had to that process have been like to be like look um there's going to be about thirty thousand shows going on in our city and that's our job so i hope you guys are writing this weekend off on your taxes first of all well it's it's not a crazy amount of shows that are happening in toronto like i i ended up going to more yesterday than i thought i was just going to go to one i ended up watching two um i might go to another show tonight then Wayne and I are going to uh, WXW on Friday. And then in terms of wrestling, that's probably it. Because come the weekend, uh, we're not going to any WWE stuff. Um, I'm going to be watching all of that stuff. Uh, so it's not going to be a crazy amount to go to. It's just covering everything. It's going to be a lot of watching stuff. That's going to be. Yeah. But that's almost like every weekend at this point. So uh, I'm prepared for it. And some of it should be really good stuff. I mean, Saturday's a lot of wrestling. But when you're talking about it's going to be the A Block show in the morning take over that night and then late Saturday early Sunday it's the B block final I mean there's going to be some incredible stuff uh, among those three shows there's no sleep definitely this weekend for you guys and I appreciate that um, but that kind of leads me to this weekend Toronto is basically being becoming like a flying destination for a lot of wrestling fans and I'm noticing that's happening a lot more now these big shows that all these other companies are piggybacking off of and soon you have End of nonstop wrestling that you want people to fly into, and I'm starting to see that more. Question to you guys is: How long do you think that's going to take, and how far do you think we're going to be able to see the wrestling fans' dollar stretch until we see that then we're going to have too much of the too many of these flying? And who do you think is going to suffer from that the most when that happens? Thanks for the call, Des. We're going to probably have to let you go just because uh, of, of more, more uh, issues, but we'll answer your uh, question while you're off there. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I would say you know, this weekend to me kind of um, puts a spotlight on that because um, at the Progress show, the Progress and Smash show, um, they, they did like a quick survey of like, who's from Toronto? Mm-hmm. Tons of cheers. I don't know. I have not run into too many people that are coming from out of town. Granted, I'm not going up to every person. I'm sure that there are people traveling, but it's, it's also it was also a Wednesday. It, this was a Wednesday, but it was a Wednesday night, and this place was it was full for for that particular show. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, you're going to see more people traveling for the the bigger shows. But I think that SummerSlam weekend is one of those where. I, I don't think that this is a, a week that sustains it. I don't think that there's outside of WrestleMania. I don't know how many shows WWE can or cities where WWE can put up four shows. Like there are plenty of tickets available for Takeover, plenty for Raw. You you bought SmackDown tickets? 
Did oh, you have any problem? Tic- tickets were like $9 at last check on StubHub. So they're very cheap right now. Even even takeover tickets aren't that expensive at the moment. So uh, I, I was going to say maybe the Rumble would, would be your ne- next big bet. Um, this I, I rank number three. Um, and I'm again, I'm really curious to know, like for a lot of these independent wrestling shows, how many people are coming from out of town? Is there that market to sustain this t- this much demand for an indie? Whereas, uh, you know, um, at least, even if the bigger shows are having some issues. And I think another uh, area is as the WWE looks at these these four day weekends, what do they what lessons do they learn from from Starcast? Like yeah. you have the names, how are you best using them? Is doing like meet and greets at the convention center is that attracting uh, the the fan base that maybe uh, would be interested in something like a a Kevin Owens Q and A or yeah. doing or doing different kind of themed events rather than just autograph sessions that. It's going to appeal to some people, but is it going to appeal to that traveling fan that I equate much more to someone who's listening to a show like ours versus someone that goes to Raw once a year? Des, uh, in particular, was, I think, maybe not just talking about the WWE, but like other other promotions, you know, kind of demanding their audience to to travel. Uh, of course, I'm talking about AEW or, or New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think AEW has been very smart to limit that they're going to go like around four of the four big pay-per-views a year. I think that's. But, That's as much but, as you can but, do. But now they are doing shows every single. Yeah, but those week. are not designed around Starcast, and they're they're not looking for people to. They're not. But I, I I feel I wonder how much of like the the AEW demand is dependent on traveling audiences, like these 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 you know the the show in Washington, the shows in Boston. You know, we're talking about Philly and Boston, places that could probably sustain, uh, you know, the the size of the buildings that they're booking anyway, but. There will be a time yeah. when it's not um, feels as special, but I'll mm-hmm. tell you right now if if AEW announces doing a TV show in Buffalo, for instance, oh yeah, I would I definitely go to that. I Raw in Buffalo, I'm not driving to, but AEW, hundred percent, I'd go to that. If it was an AEW in Toronto, I think that would do tremendously well. And and I was actually having a conversation with somebody uh, at the OWE show yesterday. I feel like some of those indie shows might do just as well, piggybacking off of an AEW. Uh, uh, an event than you know even SummerSlam. Yeah, very possible. I mean, yeah. w- right now, what would be kind of your limit of like AEW in a in a Northeast U.S. market? Like, how much would you travel, uh, drive to to an AEW show right now, just out of the curiosity to see the show? I would actually like within six hours. Yeah. you know, like I'm thinking, like the Boston show is not really the, out of the like question. a Cleveland. Yeah, kind of distance like it's still got that appeal that you know makes it worth the drive. I agree. Like I, if it's within driving distance, I would definitely consider. Shall going. Shall we try our luck with the foot with the line one more time? Let's try one more. Sure. Okay. Uh, hello, caller. You are on, and uh, apologies if you have a terrible connection, and we'll have to cut you off. But for the time being, what is on your mind? Oops. Uh, I th- I thought it was perfect because you guys were talking about aid. Like sales, I feel like something nobody has really been talking about is uh. Pay-per-view sales since a hundred thousand, and I feel like the hype right now for like All Out is way bigger than uh, Double or Nothing. So could they do something like a hundred and twenty-five, hundred fifty? Like if two hundred thousand, I'll let you guys go now if my connection is bad. But yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great question. Uh, I think that I think they're going to top a hundred thousand for All Out. Two hundred thousand sounds very ambitious. Um, everything that they set out to do sounds ambitious and yeah. they've had a very good track record of that, but they're not on TV yet. So I think that's important, but 
I, I do feel all out will top a, a, I would say 125,000 is very, is, is within striking. How much distance. was double or nothing again? Double or nothing. Or, I don't have the exact I mean, did figure, a but it actually come out. Or? It was, it was in the neighborhood of like, yeah, 100,000 or so, which uh, is a this, great number. This will be more for sure. Uh, I don't, and, th- and the real interesting one will be their first pay per view once they're on TV. Absolutely. Because yeah. we, we saw with the UFC the difference that made. It, mm-hmm. When the UFC got on, uh, Ultimate Fighter got on Spike. Everyone looks at the April pay-per-view when the coaches fought, when Liddell and or uh, and Couture fought. It was April 2005. But midway through the season, they did a pay-per-view in February with Tito Ortiz and Vitor Belfort. And that show did a significant number with no one from Ultimate Fighter on that show. There was no connection other than it's UFC doing a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. That was four weeks or so into Ultimate Fighter. And that show, certainly, it was just people exposed to UFC that felt like buying a show. Mm-hmm. And I think that AEW, if they come out of the gate really hot, which they are very hot at the moment, TV is only going to widen that base. And they could do a really eye-opening number if they're running a pay-per-view before the end of the year i mean with the caveat that the tv show has to impress it can't be a bad show of course of course you know if it's a bad show you might actually uh hurt i think the the great uh, hype and and i would say prestige it kind of has right now i don't think we'll be going to any more phone calls unfortunately we're just not having luck with our internet connection uh today everybody but uh if you want to leave questions in the chat room we will get to them sure uh absolutely so john Let's uh, let's just quickly give some thoughts. Uh, we we won't go crazy here on the OWE show. Um, so that was the one you were at with me. So uh, first of all, I would estimate there were, were we're very bad at guessing attendances, but for a Wednesday at four o'clock, I'd say like one hundred and twenty-five, maybe. Would, this is not a huge same. area. It's a big theater um, that was converted with a wrestling ring in the main area. It's more of a concert hall. Like yeah, type of thing. somewhere yeah. where you would have a prom or a wedding reception. It was a very different setting, but I liked it for wrestling. I thought the, the sight lines were very good. Yeah, I mean, it was small enough that I don't think, you know, you, you would have had a bad seat anywhere. Maybe a little cavernous, you know, uh, which which kind of might, uh, depending on what you, what you like. Uh, but I thought it was fine. It was easy to get to. Uh, they had a lot of microphone problems, but I feel you and I should not be making fun of <laughs> not at all. Issues. I definitely jinxed us when I said, uh, "Whoa, out a great technical uh, problem-free start." Anyway, uh, the, the issues did get rectified with the microphone, and they had no issues for the progress show later yes. on that night. So, yes. uh, just quickly going through this, uh, Su- Sunny, Sunny Zai, Zai defeated Buck Gunderson with an inside cradle, just like. Typical opener. I, I don't think it really like stood out all that much. It was just kind of the first match. People reacted to it. Brandon Cutler took on Bolo Fung, who was out there. This is when uh, we noticed that Virgil was in the house. Virgil all of a, all of a sudden popped out out of the corner of Virgil our was eye. there for both shows. Yeah, and he he had a merch table. I was expecting him to be part of the show. But uh, uh, Bolo Fung, I, I I really liked. You know, uh, a lot of charisma. Yeah. I don't know the name of his uh, bodyguard that I don't he had, know but either. he. He was really animated and fun, but I thought he almost overshadowed the guys in the ring because he was so entertaining on the floor. Oh, the manager, yes. The manager, yes. Sure, yeah. Um, We also had a wet willy spot to Brandon Cutler, which turned out to be one of several wet willy spots that I got to see firsthand oh, I didn't on this on this particular day. Uh, it ended with uh, Cutler being distracted and Bolo Fung won with a roll-up. It was all right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was just kind of there to, like, absorb. I wasn't necessarily there to uh, with notes. I thought the first really good match was the Dark Order against T-Hawk and L. Lindemann. Yes. Um, you had, you know, four recognizable stars to this audience that seemed to be really up on 
OWE and who these people were. Um, mm-hmm. the, if you're coming Wednesday at four o'clock, you're coming for a reason. You're not just uh, simply stumbling into an independent wrestling show. It's, I mean, OWE. I think I think is still an incredibly niche thing yes. that people could have to really like seek out really hard on their own through like whether it be a YouTube channel or what. So uh, even like I, I, I'm really, I, 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 what did you think like in terms of like who was there out of curiosity and who was there actually having seen. OWE before. Oh, I think uh, I sorry, by curiosity you mean like Like they, who was there because they were curious about OWE and has never seen it versus people who I'm sure many people the there had seen very little of OWE beyond maybe some clips on YouTube and stuff. I don't yeah. know how immersed they were in all of the characters and and who all these people were, but I think like this was a pretty diehard wrestling audience. I think it was an AEW like uh, an audience that was familiar with AEW. Sure. Yeah. Um so, yeah, they had a really good match here. This went, like, 10 minutes, and it ended with, I believe it was the Dark Matter that they hit on them. And I, I thought this was a really fun match between these two. It was just enough of T-Hawk and L. Lindemann that you got a good sense of these guys if you had never seen them before. And uh, Dark Order also came out with the Creatures. Two of them. Two Creatures, yeah. yeah. We can't go crazy here on a on a small Wednesday afternoon show. Mm-hmm. Sammy Guevara took on Alexander James. I I really got into Alexander James. I thought he had a good look. I thought he had, like, his gear looked really nice. WH agreed. And it ended where uh, Guevara got caught with the pin. And this was, it was kind of just awkward because of the uh, Sammy Guevara. There was a size discrepancy. So he played the baby face. And I just think he's, he's so much better as the... The, the smarmy heel right and here he was just the baby face playing to the crowd but it, it was an all right match between these two I, I hadn't really seen much of alexander james before so he looked good uh private party took on shima and christopher daniels with shima an honorary member of scu for this night who started off by saying this is the worst town i have ever been to and by the end of the match it became the best city that he's ever been to. She- all he needed was 14 minutes to be sold on Toronto. Shima was screaming SCU all night, even as we were walking out the door. Like he's just like he's he 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 he's hooked. Uh it ended with an Angel's Wings into a Meteora onto Isaiah Cassidy as they got the win. And Christopher Daniels, very good in terms of a live performer yeah. uh, and just interacting with the fans. And I really enjoyed Private Party too. Yeah, I will say I think you know the show was missing certainly the first half was missing an element of like that. That person who knew how to command the crowd's audience. Yes. And, and Christopher Daniels definitely is, is that veteran who knows how to do that. And then the main event. I thought this was the standout on the show. We had Speedball Mike Bailey against Zhao Jingjia. I think that's it. I think it's Gao, but... Sure. Gao? Yeah. What did I say? Zhao. Oh, Gao. Okay, Gao Jingjia. Uh, I thought this was a really... This Fun was fucking, match. This was fucking awesome. Like, you don't even have to say, like, you, this was, to me, by far the standout. I, I, I thought This was, was what I left I, with the biggest impression of. Like, this it, was like watching a, a a video game yeah. between these two. Like, very much kind of of your, you know, like, Ricochet Will Ospreay type of, like, you know, um, incredibly impressive, like, high-flying type of uh, great ac- ac- acrobatic match with great stiff kicks. The way I think it was promoted uh, was... The kicking sequences were just... Breathtaking. Sort of like a, a a a match between like a taekwondo practitioner versus a kung fu practitioner, and you definitely got to see that on in full display with the kicks. Yeah, Jingja uh, is like you can see that he he's green, but has a ton of potential. And Speedball Mike Bailey, he is great. Yes. He is just improved so much over the span of his career. Just going back three four years ago, he to me really like led the match, and he was tremendous. Their kicking sequences, like they were full out. 
throwing head kicks where if they didn't duck, they were getting knocked out. It was yeah. amazing. Some of the kicks here and ended with a, a spinning roundhouse kick by uh, Gao for the win. Yeah, this match was awesome. It was uh, tremendous. to me worth the price of admission uh, just for that match. And you know, um, as far as like OW representation, we definitely had strong hearts. We, but I, I was a little disappointed we didn't get more like you know of of the I think uh, Chinese trained talent um, from OWE present. But Gao Jingzhe, I, I thought definitely made me a lot more interested in seeing more more OWE. Yeah, and not just me, but like you know, a, a lot of the progress talent were there a little early to check out this match in particular. So we saw like. Uh, uh, Jordan Devlin standing ringside. I believe David Starr was watching this match. Chris Brooks was also watching this match as well. Yeah, I'm sure I, Virgil I, was was taking it all in as well. G- Gao would be the one to me to like certainly keep your eyes on because I'd love to see where this guy is going to progress to. Mike Bailey should be with a major company right now. Well, in I the mean, U.S. The issue, uh, and, and unfortunately, there he does have the visa issue. But he would be. I, I don't know when those five years are up, but I think we're not that far away from it. Uh, he mm-hmm. would be very high on my list. Uh, I th- I was very, very impressed. He, he was, to me, the most impressive guy on the show. Uh, so then I came back for Progress versus Smash. And out to start the show is Jim Smallman. And let me just say, uh, because they talked about this on the British Wrestling Experience this week, that certainly if you're a longtime Progress fan, you're probably you're just used to Jim Smallman in this role. He's much more than a ring announcer. He is the MC. He does, like, stand-up. He's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. he is somebody that if you have never gone to a progress show, he was just so fantastic. Just introducing everyone, interacting with kids in the crowd and stuff. Like, he, to me, is a big part of the progress presentation that will be lost when he leaves. Like, not just his behind-the-scenes role, but it's, I don't know who you put in that role to replace Jim Smallman because he's so unique in that role. It's it's kind of like to a very different in their style, but the reports you would hear about Jeremy Borash at the TNA house shows that this was just a great guy to host the show and be a ring announcer and lead everything. And Jim Smallman, I just thought he was great on this show. So first match of the night was Trent seven against psycho Mike Rollins. And so they, they play Mike Rollins is coming in wrestling a WWE guy. Mm-hmm. And the goal of this match is to get signed. He's going to impress everyone. He said, said all this, he addresses the hard camera. And everything, he doesn't take his eyes off the hard camera. As he's wrestling, he's looking at the hard camera (laughs) and won't take his eyes off. And Trent Seven has to just stop the match. And, like, they're they're exchanging words. Um, (laughs) Rollins brings out an 8x10 that he signs. They end up uh, doing a chopping sequence. So Psycho Mike starts crying from the chops, and they have a hug. And it's just a ploy for Rollins to do a roll-up on him. Uh, Trent Seven's chops were just insane. Just absolutely insane. And it ends with Mike Rollins. Uh, they get serious at the end after Rollins tried to win by burying him under these chairs on the floor. He hit a spin kick and a fisherman buster, and Mike Rollins pins Trent Seven. So it, it, this is seven matches, by the way, So between Progress and Smash. And mm-hmm. unlike the Survivor Series last year, they were going to make it dramatic, so the last match was important. So <laughs> Rollins gets on the mic after winning and says, well... I just beat a WWE guy, so I guess it's a formality now. I'm just going to give my goodbyes now to, <laughs> to Smash. And he says, I will see you all on Friday, which is their big Super Showdown show, or will I see you on Sunday? And everyone goes, ooh. 
no, I'll probably just see you on Friday. Oh, and he wow. leaves. And then like the, the exclamation point on this joke, which you either hated this or you found it amusing. I found it amusing. Jim Smallman has to get into the ring <laughs> and he's just looking. He's like, I don't know what to say. I like, <laughs> here is the guy that is working with the WWE that's has to follow this. I thought it was pretty fun for an opener. Um, Trent seven, I guess if you're not following NXT UK, like he's like, there's no really it, like him and Tyler Bate are really not featured anymore on NXT. So it's like, you, you pretty much can only follow him through NXT UK, but what, what a, what a tremendous performer Trent seven is. Then we had Aussie open against Brent banks and Tyson Dukes. This was an awesome, awesome tag match. It really picked up with like a big intensity. Tyson Duke selling like his uh, striking exchanges in particular with Mark Davis. Uh, his selling was just tremendous. And then Brent Banks um, comes in and he does a lot more like the high flying. And they had all these great exchanges. It ended with... Um, a superplex by Tyson Dukes and then a splash by Brent Banks as they pinned, I believe it was uh, Kyle Fletcher. Um, This was one of the best matches of the show, I thought. It was like just really well worked. Banks and Dukes are a great team and Aussie Open, they were tremendous as well. So I thought um, this was one of my, uh, this is probably my favorite match of the show, to be quite honest. Uh, Jordan Grace versus Alexia Nicole for the Progress Women's title. very quick match. Uh, Jordan Grace won with a pump handle driver for the win. And then they left Alexia and Nicole in the ring to get the big applause from the crowd uh, losing. So it's two to one for smash at this point. Uh, Jordan Grace is one that frequently when we talk about impacts knockout division, we kind of overlook her because she's not featured all that much in the knockouts division. And she's another one they have that could easily be inserted into that top mix. And it really shows you the depth of impacts women's division that they have Jordan Grace as well. Then, before we go to intermission, uh, Walter's music plays. And actually, Kevin Bennett came out first, followed by Walter. I thought this was going to be the main event, but this is happening before intermission. So, my entrance of the year last year, I got to experience You're live right. You're for the right first next time. to the ramp. I was sitting, like, right on the, the ramp, uh, right to the ramp. So, it you was very were, cool to watch. You were this close to Walter? I was, I was right on the aisle for all of them. So, um, Walter comes out and... So it's the progress champion versus the smash champion in a non-title match. And it's Walter just trying to lay his chop on Kevin Bennett and Kevin Bennett getting out of the way and trying to thwart him with leg kicks and ground Walter. Um, there was a rear naked choke by Walter. Bennett again just kicks the knee and then gets hit with a spinning like Hiroshi Hase style Uranagi and then... Bennett does a twisting swanton that misses, shotgun drop kick by Walter, and then he uh, finishes him with a powerbomb and pins him. So, I mean, Walter was certainly presented as the dominant champion here and got the win over Kevin Bennett. So it is even going into intermission. It was a fine match. It was uh, about 11 minutes. Decent showcase. If you've never seen Walter, it is cool to see him live. Um during the intermission, Sebastian Suave came out with Kingdom James, and they explained Suave would not be in the main event eight-man tag, and instead he's uh, just going to be wrestling on Friday against Rosemary, and James cut a long promo listing all of the monsters and creatures that Suave is not afraid of, including Rosemary, who is coming back from the dead and therefore is a zombie. Got it? I love it. <laughs> Jordan Devlin versus Tarek was next. They went about 13 minutes. Really great match between these two. Just like a hard-hitting affair. Lots of chops from both. Tarek with a Benadriller, standing Spanish fly, and then goes for 
Uh, Devlin goes for the headbutt and then a brain buster for a two count. And it ends with a, a jawbreaker off the back and a flying knee to the neck as Tarek pins Jordan Devlin. Bit surprising. So, I mean, the Smash guys got some like big wins on this show. So um, positioning them very equal here to progress. Tony Storm versus Jody Threat was our penultimate match. Uh Tony Storm coming out with the NXT UK women's title. And what they did here was like Jody Threat just trying to hang with Tony Storm. Uh, Jody Threat comes out. She does like a skateboard gimmick. So she comes out with the skateboard. And so they both tried to use it on the other and ended up hitting the post. Uh, Storm got the, the cover after several near falls by Jody and eventually gets the cover. They did the big hug afterwards and were tied at three going into the final match. A crazy concept on a best of seven series. So the main event was Chris Brooks, David Starr, Paul Robinson, Travis Banks uh, taking on Idris Abraham, who was on Raw this week, Joe Coleman, his partner in Halal Beefcake, Daniel Garcia, and John Greed taking the spot of Sebastian Suave. And this was just insanity. It was Barely an eight-man tag. They're going all over the arena. They're brawling all over the place. Tons of high spots. It was hard to focus on everything. Um, there were only several points in the match where it, it just it was an actual tag match. David Starr was incredibly popular. Like he just has a ton of charisma live. Uh, he's going to be in Bola next month. So I thought he was one of the standouts here. Paul Robinson, who he is the Robinson that the. Robinson special is named after that Will Ospreay does. And he did the Robinson special here. And his is pretty damn great. He gets a lot of uh, torque on it. Um, And he would just, he constantly get his, like he would get his one-upsmanship and then he'd just yell, fuck you at the audience, just unprovoked, just fuck you all over the place. Lots of fucks in this match. Um, it, It did go too long. I thought this thing went 25 minutes. And it was just a lot at this hour, and this was my second show. But uh, standouts to me were David Starr, Daniel Garcia looked excellent. That is certainly a guy that I've heard great things about, and I think this is the first time I've seen him live. And he just has uh, a ton of talent. I think he's going to be one of the real standout stars in like the Buffalo scene and also doing a lot of dates in Ontario. Uh, it uh, John Greed, who's a pretty big guy, did a tope over the top and like clipped the top rope. And just crashed down onto everybody. Thankfully, it seemed everyone was fine. But everyone took turns with dives. And it ended with Daniel Garcia delivering a fisherman buster. Greed did a splash off the top. And Chris Brooks took the pinfall. Um, no no water involved. No water slides for Chris Brooks. But uh, that was the main event. It was just, it was really chaotic. Um, it was, if that's your type of match, cool. Um, I liked it. But it, it did it did feel like it went a bit too long. So that was the Smash vs. Progress show. So I had a fun time, got to meet a number of our listeners there Mm -hmm. as well, and then um, took off and got home around midnight. That was a long day of wrestling. Long day for you. Uh, Do you have time for a couple questions? Yes, let's do some questions. Scott George wants to know, a question for John if you saw it, what did you you think of Colby Covington's post-fight promo at the UFC this past weekend? Yeah, so he beat Robbie Lawler, and then the comments that I'm sure he's alluding to were with John Anik, where he said... uh, People ha- or Robbie Lawler has to learn from his friend Matt Hughes uh, when the train's coming, get out of the way, meaning like the Colby train. And of course, Matt Hughes yeah, suffering a geez. debilitating accident when he was hit by a train. Uh, I-, I really didn't like it. I don't care if it's if it's heel shtick. 
I sometimes find that to be like we just allow people to get away with anything under the guise that, oh, I'm working, bro. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I understand what the game is, that he is trying to elicit that reaction out of people. And to his credit, I mean, this is a guy who started off his UFC career winning fight after fight after fight, and no one could pick this guy out of a lineup. And once he started doing all this stuff... That's when he started to get prominent spots, got an interim title fight with RDA, got a headlining spot on ESPN against Robbie Lawler, and probably is going to get a title fight after this. So you can't really knock this guy's method of operation because no one was talking about this guy when he was just going out there quietly and winning fights. Do you have a care one way or the other? I mean, I, I already... It's had, a real tasteless I, I already had a really shitty opinion of the guy, and this really doesn't do anything to change that, you know? Um, I, I've kind of gotten to the point where I just stopped paying attention to him, win or lose. I just don't give a shit what he has to say anymore. Well, and if pe- if enough people have that reaction, then then it's ultimately not successful. And if it's him and Kamaru Usman headlining that November 2nd card in MSG, no, no uh, fight above that, that's really on them to see if this is going to work or not. Um, because you, that's, you, that's where the big spotlight is going to be on them. Do you have a prediction for that fight? I mean, as a fight, it's a really fascinating fight. I... I mean, I think that Colby Covington is going to be the slight favorite in that fight, but it, it's a very hard fight to predict. Uh, another question we got here from Brandon, who uh, asked, do either of you have a prediction about what Regal will name as the third fall on Saturday for the main event of NXT TakeOver Toronto? So we got a street fight, a professional wrestling match. I mean, the, the it's going to be something that generates an easy pop. I could see a ladder match. Brandon from Jersey suggests a loser leaves NXT stipulation. Ooh, on five minutes notice mm-hmm. uh, it's possible they could do that i mean the possibility i feel every endless. nxt takeover has that implied stipulation yeah. in the back of people's mind that if someone loses it means they're leaving <laughs> every match on a takeover that's what everyone looks at takeover NXT. results as is like oh, does this mean uh, that this person's leaving apologies for anybody trying to call in we're not going to take phone calls for the rest of the show just because of uh, some of the issues we've been having with our connection so uh if you have a question leave it in the chat room we'll try to get to him jake asks what arena would be suitable for aew in toronto coca-cola coliseum or maple leaf gardens we, we talked had, about this we had this conversation and coca-cola I, coliseum i personally think so uh although at this point pay-per-view i do scotiabank yes absolutely i think they should save toronto for a pay-per-view and i would do it at the scotiabank arena the gardens um it's I okay i don't like i don't it. like it as a venue i think to it's be honest. too tall um like too cavernous i think the sound doesn't really travel that well yeah and i'm sure it's not cheap to book so you know there's something cool about having wrestling in the garden, but I'm kind of over it, to be honest. I've seen those ROH shows, and it's I kind of prefer the Ted Reeve, actually, even for Ring of Honor. It's a, Ted Reeve is like it's fine. I like sitting in the in the bleacher area there. It's like it's a it's a good atmosphere, just yeah. not in the middle of the summer. Um, Shall we uh, go through SummerSlam? Yeah, I just wanted to mention that yeah. um, tonight in Toronto we've got well, as we speak, WXW Ambition is under is going under uh, going down, which is a great card. Uh, if we were not doing this show, I would have gone to this one. Greek Town has a show tonight at eight. Progress has a show at eight, and the Union of Independent Professional Wrestlers, uh, Anthony Kingdom James Promotion, who was on the show, uh, they are running nine p.m. at the Transact Club. Uh, as is uh, Superkick Live Freelance Wrestling, they're running it at Superkicks. Uh, training school at 66 Fraser Avenue in Liberty Village tonight. That is the location of the secret show, but they don't have an announced lineup. So lots of wrestling going on in town is mm-hmm. what I'm basically saying. And you and I will be at WXW tomorrow, correct? Yes. Timothy Thatcher versus Yuki Ishikawa on that show. 
Awesome. Walter versus Daisuke Sakamoto. Mm-hmm. Um, should be a very good show. Strong Hearts, Aussie Open against uh, Yuren Simmons and Alexander James as well. So I, I'm really looking forward to that card. Let's get into SummerSlam. Uh, we have promised our preview. Uh, you've waited long enough. So Sunday night, uh, starting at 5 o'clock, is the kickoff show. And we can start off. Um, these are the latest announcements. Uh, I've been told Reigns and Brian not happening. They've decided to slow that one down. I would imagine they will have some representation on the show, you would assume. Yes. Um, I would hope so. As of right now, we have 10 announced matches. So uh, I was asked, uh, is this... Is the card finalized for SummerSlam? And the person basically laughed at me and said, it is never finalized. The card is never <laughs> finalized. So anything can happen. We could see some additions to this card. We have gone through the laundry list of teased programs. They certainly have no shortage of matches they could throw on here that have had some build on TV. Mm. Drew Gulak versus Oni Lorcan for the Cruiserweight title. I think that this will be one of the better matches on the show. Yeah. I, and I think that this crowd should be... Um, hotter than usual, I would say. It's going to be the first match. Well, do you see it on the kickoff, first of all? I do see it on the kickoff. Yeah, I think um, uh, I think that's just kind of been... I'd put this on first, on the kickoff. Mm, yeah, or I would even save it for the main event of the kickoff, because I think it'll be that good. And whatever else is on the kickoff, I don't know if we'll be, if it'll be able to top Gulak versus Logan. Usually it's three matches we get on the two-hour kickoff, yep. which, if that's the case, that leaves seven matches on the main card, well, which would tell me they're going to add more. What do you think would be on the kickoff, looking at it? Because we Gulak have- and Lorcan, Bailey and Ember... And maybe... Bailey and Ember of SmackDown Women's Championship on the kickoff? Yes. I mean, they haven't kind of been known. I mean, they... If not that, like, look at this card. What else? They're not putting AJ and Ricochet on the kickoff. Yeah, it's true. You know, they've been known to put, like, tag team title matches on the kickoff. Maybe an IC title match, but, like, a Raw... You know what? I I could see see an add-on match going to the kickoff. Whether it's Drew and Cedric or Anderson and Gallows against a New Day... I could see one of those matches getting added and being put on the kickoff. All the non-title matches seem a little too big, and I'm talking about uh, Owens versus Shane, Balor versus Wyatt. I don't see that being on the kickoff. Stratus versus Flair won't be on the kickoff. Goldberg Ziggler certainly won't be on the kickoff. Maybe AJ versus Ricochet. Oh, I hope not. I hope not, too. So I would definitely say, though, the Cruiserweight match would probably be. I think the Cruiserweight and, I, and I, Bailey and Ember would be, uh, of what what's listed here, I, I think that's where yeah. it would end up. Um, prediction here? Drew Gulak keeps the title? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. But it should be great. Like, Oni Lorcan is a tremendous talent. Yeah. Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair. Do you see this late in the show? I do. Uh, you know, I, th- I think I think the audience will be there for it no matter where it is on the card. I, I think, you know, if it's at the very end of like a seven-hour show, then they might have trouble. But I would expect it somewhere in the middle. I would expect a great ovation for Trish Stratus. And I, I, I have high expectations for what this match might look like. I do too because it's Charlotte. Yeah. Um, Charlotte is listen Trish has not had her own like like a big singles match since her retirement like she had a TV match with Vicky Guerrero that I don't really count Trish has been billing this as her final match I'm sure it will be and if that's the case I I think you can expect a great deal of of ambitious uh, uh, stuff from her Uh, you'll see all her classic spots and I I hope uh, her and Charlotte have a a, a lot of great stuff planned it's going to be an interesting match to see like Charlotte goes all out on these big matches she Mm -hmm. has lots of ambitious ideas when she goes into these big matches so it's I I think that the major thing is that the crowd will be hot for it so uh, predicated on its placement Uh, but I think this should be like one of those kind of do it like the generation versus generation and I think Charlotte needs to win clean yes Trish loses on her final match and sometimes I I feel they overdo the post-match hug spot um, this is where they may do it. 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know if Charlotte being a heel needs to kind of have have that moment. It doesn't really work with her, but it's also being Trish. I could see Charlotte doing some kind of, uh, you know, acknowledgement, even if it's subtle yeah. and she leaves and Trish gets the, the ring. Yeah. To, as she, she, Do you, you think know. it'll be better than Gail and Tessa Blanchard? Mm. <sighs> it'll I, be think, I think it'll be on the same level. I, I think it ultimately comes down to Trish. Um, I think that... I, I think there's definitely questions of like Trish doing like uh, if this is like a 14 minute match, mm-hmm. that's a that's a big ask. Yeah. Um. At this stage, so, um, I do have a lot of confidence in the fact that it's it's Charlotte in there that I think will make this very very solid and and I think Trish obviously is going to take this as a really really big match. Goldberg and Dolph Ziggler, I'll say this: if it goes past 90 seconds, they've overthought it and they shouldn't have brought Goldberg back then. This is not about yeah. Dolph. Yeah, this certainly. match is not about get him getting in his getting some heat coming out of this. Yeah. This is straightforward. I think you can. I would say around the the ninety minute two two minute range, you know, uh, maybe some level of surprise. I think everybody's going into this one expecting just a squash. I think they will deliver that, but I also think they might throw in a, you know maybe one or two curveballs in there. I don't need to see Goldberg sell for Dolph Ziggler. I don't no, need, I don't need to see like a bunch of. Well, we're gonna stretch this to eight because no one will see it coming. That's yeah, Goldberg <laughs> is a very, very easy wrestler to book. Although uh, what I can see them doing is is Goldberg rushing to the ring post and oh. then teasing some sort of dizziness coming off of the 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 missed uh, uh, shoulder into the turn. What if Dolph's wearing a metal plate underneath? Even better, sure. In, in the same arena, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I could see them playing around because, like, the story is Goldberg is not has not been impressive lately. So I think they'll maybe. Play with some of those expectations and then reveal that Goldberg. Maybe Goldberg does a 630. We can only hope. What do you think is the ultimate destination for Goldberg? Uh, I think you can look towards uh, Survivor Series or or even a B-level show. Uh, and then ultimately, I'm sure they would want him for something like WrestleMania next year. You know? I think he could. I think uh, you could Saudi get. Saudi Arabia, of course. Yep, probably. Um, if he wants to go back there. Um, so I think that you can do like a little run here. And it builds up to a big match. I think ultimately there's there's a there's a lot of value in eventually doing Goldberg and Roman Reigns. I think you could do that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And after that, I think you can get one major program out of him. And then I could see him really fill, filling into the role Undertaker had had at WrestleMania. Sure. He shows up once a year, kills a guy, and everyone goes nuts. And yeah. he does a squash every year at WrestleMania. And he can do it. And, every, and he just has to show up once top, tops two times a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a match against Roman Reigns, though, he's going to have to lose. Like, yeah, yeah. A match against, like, names, like a marquee match. I'm saying you, you can build him up for one big loss right. to a Roman Reigns, a Seth Rollins, something like that. And then after that, he can come back for cameos where he just squashes people. And it's yeah. people pop for the the entrance, the spear, the jackhammer. And there's there is certainly a value to Bill Goldberg in 2019. And he can still go. And he's cleared... Why, why wouldn't you use this guy sparingly? AJ Styles versus Ricochet, I would kick off the main show with this. And, uh, and I hope they'd get 20 minutes. I agree. I agree. I think it's a perfect way to start the show. Yeah, that's how I would start it. And maybe Ricochet wins this, gets on the pay-per-view, gets the big win over AJ. I know they just flipped the title, um, but they're really pushing Ricochet at the moment. And I would say... Unless you want to continue this, I could see Ricochet winning this. I kind of see this continuing. I think AJ retains, then you get more involvement with the the OC. Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt. 
Yeah, I mean, this is very much like the Goldberg match. I this, you know, I guess the question is, which one is going to be shorter? Which one should be shorter, Bray Wyatt or or uh, Goldberg? Wyatt? I'd make them both short, but I don't think Bray and Finn is going to be. I think they're going to go longer than they need to. Yeah, I hope not. Uh, I, I, part part of the curiosity for me is just to see how they present the Fiend. Will they use all the theatrics in a match like this? What if he comes out as the goofy Bray Wyatt and he morphs late in the match into the Fiend, and the Fiend is a how, spot? How would you do that? Like the lights him- go out. And then just he had to scramble to put the jacket on and the mask. You come up with something. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sh- all, all these possibilities. I'm kind of curious. I'm more curious of the presentation than the match. Yeah, the match yeah. is very easy, and it should be the mandible claw. And maybe you need to do something more vicious than the mandible claw What's, because you well, know, he's got the sister Abigail. But yeah, the claw something that needs to explain Balor going away. I think the cl- you're right. You're right. Yeah, maybe. Um, because I don't think Balor should show up the next night on TV. I think this should be the write-off for his absence. Hmm. How can he make that claw not? Well, you know out? what? You could deliver the claw, and he goes away, and you immediately... Like, so far, who's he given the claw to? Uh, yeah. Uh, Mick, Mick Foley, Kurt Angle, and we haven't seen them yet. Uh, I suppose so, but, you know, the Mandible Claw being a very similar move to... Mr. Socko, I, I, I mean, it's a bit. That's of a where Bray Wyatt ultimately becomes a comedy figure. Yeah, maybe he needs to like the fiend becomes the friend. Maybe he should just put some like I don't know some some type of like, uh, food poisoning thing in the mouth, and the goal is he he's out with food poisoning for three months. He's out with food poisoning yeah, for three months. Stuck the fingers in his. Okay. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> you know they just put out a posting for a WWE uh, writer's assistant, yeah. and way I wouldn't be ashamed if you left Vince me. Would love it. Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. If Owens loses, he will be forced to quit WWE. Owens is also doing a bunch of media today with uh, Ricochet, so they're sending him out to do all the press. I think Owens is going to get an enormous reaction when he comes out. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, doing, doing home country, big star, doing PR. Seems poised to lose. I would love to at least get a promo from Kevin Owens uh, in, in, on the pay-per-view. Maybe even one from Shane as well. They, sh- they should have some Canadian Kevin Owens merchandise. A uh, yeah, bunch of these Canadians sure. should have like red and white merchandise. Like You have a lot of Canadians fo- featured on this show. Yep. Trish, Natalia, Owens. Zane yeah. got the yank. But eh, that's, you know, for a show that's an uh, easy way to make some money off merch. Who wins this match? I think Owens should win the match, and you build uh, to a match where Shane is... I think Shane's winning. Shane's but winning? How do they follow up on the stipulation? Hmm. They could just ignore it. Yeah. I, I'm not so attached <laughs> to the stipulation of, oh my god, how will they get out of this? I mean, that's uh, what I. That's a mistake I made with Maria winning the title. I was like, how are they going to do this? I feel like Owens is going to lose, but that's just me. That'd be such a... I'm just, I think you have to get to, I feel like you'll get to hell in a cell between these two. I feel like you'll get there regardless. I guess so. Does it even matter who wins then? I don't know. Then you have to come up with some clever reason for Owens to get back on TV. And I think that kind of makes him look (laughs) lame that he's got to duck the stipulation or get around it. Well, obviously he won't lose fairly. I think Owens wins. Okay. I'm going to be, I'm going to be naive. Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton. Very simple buildup. I've liked it a lot, and I think Kofi gets the win here. I think Orton should win so Whoa. that we can get a hell in a cell between Randy Orton and Kofi Kingston Okay, for the build. I think Orton has been the best challenger by far to Kofi Kingston thus far, and I think Orton winning will set up a great babyface chase for Kofi. What if Orton uh, wins the title and then he uses his influence to get Kofi kicked off of SmackDown? Into Raw? He uses his politics to, uh, to, a- to hold, try w- holding him down. 
Yeah. Stupid, stupid, stupid. They, they've gotten so much out of that stupid yeah, clip. I know. I've, I think this build has been great. I don't think it's been, it's over. So I, a Kofi win would, would, to me, extinguish it. I think that's what this is designed to. It's like, here's a chat, here's the ghost from his past, and he's going to show that he has risen above Randy Orton. So but he could do that later. I, listen, I would not be opposed to Orton winning this. I think he's been great, and a heel run as champion gives Kofi something because I don't know where you go to with Kofi beyond this. He mm-hmm. needs opponents. So maybe Orton winning is uh, not that far fetched. Bailey and Ember Moon, I think this has been a very, very poorly built match. I don't care who wins. So I'll say Bailey, and I think that that really extinguishes Ember Moon. It's going to be Bailey. I don't, I, Ember's just not hot enough. A title win would be nothing for her, and it would certainly hurt. They've Bailey. done Ember no favors. Bailey has ha- has not really had anything significant as champion yet. So yeah, Becky and Natalia submission match for the Raw Women's Championship. Becky's going to win, but um, I'm I'm really curious to to see like uh, who gets cheered, who gets booed because the way I think it'll been, be mixed. The way they've been building it uh, is is that Becky is trying to claim that she is going to be the new Canadian hero, and I'm not really sure how to take that. Maybe know? she's going to lose to the Sharpshooter. Mm, man, if Becky did the Sharpshooter to beat Natalia, wow, that would definitely get her. I think that would get her booed. Don't you think? If that was their attempt at at making Becky heal. Yeah. Ooh. Remember last SummerSlam? That was the one where Becky came out of it and was supposed to be a heel. Yeah. And it took him like two weeks to realize, oh, wait a minute. She's super over now. Yeah. No, I, I'd be really curious to see like how they treat it. If anything, I can really see Natalia maybe turning heel completely. Uh, so you're picked to win. I, I think Becky's winning this. Yeah. Yeah. Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins for the universal title. Uh, what a bizarre built-up match this is. I mean... Logic would dictate that Seth Rollins needs to win this after getting massacred on television two weeks in a row. Um, but man, you just put the title on Brock. Um, I think yeah. I think Brock's retaining it. It's a bit of a tough call. Yeah, I I, I can see this maybe coming down to a late decision. Um, yeah, and those late man. decisions favor Brock Lesnar. How far is uh, Saudi Arabia from now? Not till October thirty first. Okay, but that's not that far. Can Brock, if he keeps it here, I feel like he would keep it all the way till that. God, I feel like with going to Fox and all this stuff, I would figure we're, we're going to see Brock before I, the I, end of October. I think Brock's going to win. I do too. Yeah. I just said that, yeah. Damn. I think Brock wins this one. Oh, I don't think he's holding it for four for weeks. Seth. Yeah, kind of. it kind of sucks for Seth if he comes huh. out of this and, and where he goes. I mean, I don't know if Brock's sticking around to do Clash of Champions. This could be his yeah. uh, his farewell. All right, uh, so that's that's kind of it for for SummerSlam. Where, where's your interest level at for this show? I'm interest. I, I'm interested. I am. I. It's a weird card. I think on paper it looks good, right? Like, I, I if anything, I think Lesnar versus Rollins has been hurt by the build. Uh, other matches, I I I have decent expectations for. Um, they're all of a similar of an interest level. Uh, that's I would say pretty moderate to to kind of high um i think the audience will really make a lot of it toronto is always a, an amazing crowd so yeah and it's ultimately going to be a lot of the, the booking on the show that's going to dictate people's feelings on these matches they'll like re- on on paper this could be a good show they'll react huge to goldberg they should react really big to trish they should react really big to the fiend uh they should react really big to becky lynch and i think they'll react big i will maybe to brock lesnar um if this so- if this were a Toronto audience of a generation ago, I think Brock would be an enormous baby face to this crowd, and yeah. Seth would be. A I think heel Seth's to gonna get crowd. booed. I think that he's still gonna get booed. I don't sense that I from do. like the current day 
WWE He's Toronto fan base. He's been so corny over the past month. It's an interesting reaction to see. I, I don't Monday. throw that out because 15 years ago, I 100% see Seth getting booed out because he has given this audience no reason to cheer him. Yeah, it's going to be the bizarre world. Uh, oh, uh, God. Excuse. Do we get a, biz- a bizarre world reference on this show? I think we have to. Yeah, I think so. There will be something that goes sideways. I think it'll be this match. All right. That's going to wrap up a lengthy edition of the show, but uh, let's make mention of the shows that we have coming up. So... Uh, we hope to see many of you this weekend. Uh, Brayden and Davey, they have a new show up with uh, Scrump in studio, previewing TakeOver and going through their final episode. Brayden and Davey will have a TakeOver post show up late Saturday night. That'll be up on their feed and ours as well? Yes, it is. Yes. All right. So you can catch it on either the post wrestling feed or on Up Next's own feed as well. Sunday night, Way and I will have the SummerSlam post show, which you can tune into live. As soon as the main event ends, we will be going live. So approximately 11 p.m. Eastern time. We'll also have uh, post-wrestling cafe shows. Saturday afternoon, WH Park here to review the first night at Budokan Hall of the G1 Climax. Sunday, at some point, we're going to get that B-Block show out. And then Monday, we'll have a show after the G1 Finals. So busy weekend. Two editions of Cruel Summer coming out. Saturday, WH Park is joined by... Davey Portman, and then on Sunday, the busiest man in professional wrestling, Wei Ting, is joining WH Park to chat about the 2012 G1 final between Kazuchika Okada and Carl Anderson. You can catch all of our shows up at postwrestling.com. You can sign up postwrestlingcafe.com. That gives you access to all the Patreon shows this weekend, all the G1 shows that we have done up until this point. 16 in the bag that you can go and listen to. Get all caught up going into the final weekend of G1 coverage. Big thank you to Mark Romundi for joining us. All of your calls and way. The man who steers the ship. Thank Got you, the music always. this week. <laughs> we outsmarted the world. Thank you to everyone for listening, and we will speak with you later on this weekend. Thank you.